What is going on, guys? Today we are here and going to be with our Seeking Stoics group, episode two. We are going to cover a handful of topics here to include manifesting, how we kind of think about when it's time to be quiet versus when it's time to speak up, and how that's evolved and changed as we've been put into leadership positions or you know, as we've just grown, grown older and more mature inside of our relationships and how we can kind of think about status versus you know, happiness and kind of how that relationship works a little bit. And this quote, everybody wants to eat, nobody wants to hunt. You must suck before you are good and a few others. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. And we did have a couple of tef- technical difficulties. So uh, there's a slight little edit somewhere in the middle. I've worked pretty hard to hopefully hide it to where you guys don't even know when it happens uh, to give you a nice seamless listening experience. I appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, we are here with our Seeking Stoics at second edition, second month. It's already been one month. That time flew by. Uh, so Bobby Stravastava, Sean Suttle here. If you guys don't know who they are, get in the know. First thing we're going to talk about is manifesting. So Bobby sent out a podcast, uh, the Mel Robbins podcast, which I had actually never heard and was a new podcast for me. So thank you for that, Bobby. I always really appreciate that. Um, And I've listened now to a bunch of her other episodes and I really enjoy it. So if you guys are looking for a new podcast, it's a good one. Uh, But she did one on manifesting and I really liked the discussion. We all kind of had a discussion around it. And so I kind of want to start here. And really what we were kind of talking about is um, how to properly manifest. And so I kind of wanted to ask you guys, what do you, do you guys ever like consciously go through like manifestations uh, for things? And then if so, kind of what do they look like? And then I'll kind of tell you guys uh, how I do it or or kind of what that looks like for us. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I've probably done it subconsciously forever before actually saying this is manifesting. Um, But for me, when I think of manifesting, you know, obviously it's around a goal or a task or something you want to achieve. And for me, I think it all the way through, I think of all the positives and I think of all the things that could go wrong, um, which is super scary. Right. And then once I think about it, you freak out for a little bit and I, you know, you make that decision. All right. If everything's going to go, okay, I'm going to push forward. And if it doesn't, I'll find a way to get through it. It'll, it'll be okay. In the end, it'll be a, it'll be a positive outcome one way or another. If it, if it goes the way I want it to go, great. But if it doesn't, then I'm going to learn for, from it and move forward. Yeah. For manifesting for me, I mean, yes. Yeah, so to answer your question, yes. Uh, I, I would say uh, it's for me manifesting things that I want in my life uh, or things that I am hoping to uh, make progress towards and just cultivating my identity um, started out as, you know, what, what are the habits I need to create? And so what's happened as a result of doing that over many years is that manifestation is now a habit itself of mine. So I now have sort of seen the fruits of my labor and uh, kind of not just, you know, just to be clear, manif- manifesting, and this is referenced in the podcast, it's not constantly dreaming and hoping 
for a lot of things to happen to you. Um, it's, it's really, uh, an internal, I guess it could be an, an external exercise in, and sort of determining what are the things you need to be doing to go after what you dream and hope for. So you're not just sitting around saying, you know, I, I hope I become a manager or a director someday. I, I hope I'm making six figures someday. I hope that, um, you know, I can lose these 30 pounds. I hope I have a better relationship with my kids, et cetera, et cetera. It's okay. You can, that's just step one. You know, that is just kind of identifying, identifying for yourselves. What are the things you want for yourself, uh, to live a happy life? Um, but then the next step is, okay, now what? Um, and so I've been doing that. I mean, I just, I just recently listened to that podcast too. So I sort of sent it to Jeff, um, right at Jeff and Sean right after I listened to it. And, uh, but it sort of reaffirmed things that I felt like I had been doing for myself. Um, I was in a phase where I was just wishing, dreaming, and hoping, and nothing was happening, right? Um, but I, I do feel like that is something that I've cultivated over time. Um, and you know, you, you don't you don't hit uh, you know 100 of your dreams and hopes, but 80 percent pretty good, 90 percent pretty good. And so, um, yeah, I would say that that is, and it's not for huge things either, right? It's uh, what what am I manifesting myself? Uh, for what this week looks like, what this day looks like, what this interaction looks like. Uh, if I have a, you know, um, uh, I have great work relationships and some of them, you know, they're all at varying levels. Some are better than others. What am I manifesting for myself to have a positive working relationship uh, with this one individual? So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to look at them, um, you know, when you think about it, it manifesting as something external um, for, for me and, and really Maria and our relationship. I think when we do our best in our relationship is when we're talking through our goals together, um, you know, ec- you know, verbalizing them. And I think in that process, too, we both just in the process of having to verbalize it outwardly to somebody else who can kind of provide questions and, and maybe even just double check you on things and just kind of say like, is that something you're actually serious about? Cause like you really haven't shown that. Um, and I think that's been huge, but then that process has gotten us into that next step, which is, you know, okay, how do we, how do, once we verbalize the, the goal, let's start kind of manifesting the steps to, to get there. Um, and the one that really stuck out to me when I was listening to this podcast, or I guess I would say like, um, one of our best series of, of manifestations and, you know, kind of helping calm things down a little bit was, uh, when actually when Blitz broke her back and had like this severe spinal cord injury, um, and was like instantly paralyzed. It came up, both came home from the gym one night and, um, you know, she just like couldn't walk was like, had no, no use, no function in her back legs. And so we had to take her to MedVet. And if you guys have ever been at MedVet and stuff and gone through that, like long night ensues, right? And a lot of panic and they ended up sending us home. And so they're going to put her into surgery and stuff. And so Maria then, you know, when we go home, she's just like bawling, crying because she just is like, just can you imagine how scared she is? Like the only two people in her life aren't around her anymore. And she's probably just terrified with all these doctors in this cold, like hospital room by herself. Um, And she's like, and what if we don't see her again? Like, what if she dies on the operating table? We don't get to say goodbye. And like, she just dies tonight. And we don't, we didn't like, we didn't think about that you know, when we were taken to the hospital. Um, and it's like, like you said, Sean, you just run through all of those bad scenarios. You run through all of the worst possible situations. And, you know, in that moment, I was just like, look, Maria, like what are the processes that we are in control of? We got into the, the best hospital in the area. 
the best doctors, the best surgeons in Columbus are there and they've got her. That was the best. That was the absolute best that we could do in that moment. And like, you have to have trust and faith that like with those steps that we took, that that was the best that we could do. They're going to do the best that they can do. And, you know, and then once that's like, once those steps happen, then we'll see. And then we'll have decisions to make tomorrow and we'll tackle those decisions when they come, when we get more information from the doctors. Um, and, and it'll be okay. You know, and if we don't see her again, she lived an amazing life. Like, and, and, I'm so, and we can be grateful for it and thankful for it. And we've got, you know, a million pictures and we'll talk about how much we loved her and, and that'll be what we'll do. Um, you know, and it sucks and that's, that is what it is, but this is the reality of how we should enjoy every moment with our pets and how we should enjoy every moment with our kids. And this is why it's important to have these things happen to you is so that you can enjoy these moments a little more. And I hope that like that could be a takeaway from us. So it's like, when you think about that stuff, the manifesting, you know, from, from me in the, in like when we were having that discussion was just like, what are the steps we have any control of? And let's just manifest the, the, the actions that we're going to take tomorrow that are going to be positive actions that are going to help us. Um, you know, you need sleep tonight, right? Like it's three in the morning. We've, we've had a really stressful night and tomorrow is going to be a stressful day too. And so like, we've got to take a couple steps here to calm down. We've got to get the best night's sleep we can so we can wake up tomorrow and make clear minded decisions. Um, and so in a way, then you manifest the processes, you know, and that's why that's that was my big takeaway from this. And I tried to think back of times where I did manifest the process better than the end goal. And that's kind of her point, I think, or if I had to say that's the one big takeaway from the podcast is where people get manifesting wrong. Like Bobby said, is they try to manifest the end goal. And so I'm going to put this and this is the, the analogy that I had. And I'm going to see if you guys like it or not. We've had people all throughout the years come into the gym and they want to meet somebody. They want to meet a significant other. They want to find a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a wife. Um, they want to they want to be in a relationship, right? They're at that moment in their life where they want to meet somebody. And they come into the gym and they try to manifest this, like, I'm gonna get a boyfriend, I'm gonna boyfriend. Like that's the end goal. And what I thought about is like you're that manifesting is actually going to be counterintuitive a lot of times to meeting somebody. You're going to almost get in your own way if you manifest just the end goal where you're trying to push a boyfriend. In reality, what you should be pushing is, I want to I want to really focus in on building and developing good relationships with people around me. And how do I do that? Like I'm a good friend. I show up to places. I'm reliable. You know, I communicate effectively with the people I care about and that care about me. And over time, what you find, then I'm going to be a happy person myself, right? Like I'm going to be somebody who's ready to be in a relationship and I'm going to be the happiest and best version of myself because that's how I want to meet somebody. Um, and when you manifest those processes, when you manifest all those things, guess what? People on the outside start looking at you and they're like, holy shit, you know, Bobby looks like a really happy person. Like, and he seems like he's always having a good time and he seems like he's always laughing and people seem to gravitate towards him. And, you know, the friends always speak so highly of Bobby because he does such a good job. He's such a reliable friend to them. And he's always reaching out. And he seems like, you know, he's bringing that happiness that he has to other people around him. I want to be around that. Like, that's kind of the way it works. And so that was that's kind of the analogy good, that I had. Well, yeah, it's such a great analogy, man. Go ahead, Bobby. Well, I will say just it's just sort of work. I yeah, I met Sean. You <laughs> 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 say that too. <laughs> that's how that's how yeah. Sean was attracted uh, to Bobby, and Bobby attracted to Sean. Well, so yeah, I, I, did, I did tell Andy yesterday that I'm going to cut your I'm going to cut your left arm off here. 
<laughs> Can't share tattoos with anyone. <laughs> I think one of the things that um, is a is a benefit of going through the manifesting process um, is how much how much you're able to control negative emotions or emotions that cause stress. And I think when you were talking through uh, that scenario with Blitz, just you thinking through the processes. When those things happen, you're managing your stress, your anxiety, uh, your sadness, um, all those things that can sort of send you into a downward spiral because you're playing those scenarios out in your head, right? So, so not to make uh, light of that serious situation, but one of the on a, on a on a more funnier example that episode that Seinfeld episode where Jerry starts realizing that his life is just like even Steven. Breaks up with him, and he's like, "That's eh, okay. It's okay. okay. It's gonna yep. work out, you know, because he's had life experiences. I mean, again, this is a comedy, right? So maybe not right. the best example, but like, you know I, who you are. You're even, Steve. <laughs> Steven. But I just think about that. I think about that when I'm going through these sorts of exercises as well with Jenna or with myself, like." How am I going to react if, uh, you know, if I walk into work one day and there's no reason given and I'm terminated? Am I going to fly off the handle? Am I going to feel like I have to tell someone off? Am I going to, you know, am I going to, you know, you know, be very adversarial, confrontational, et cetera? Because there's nothing I can there's nothing I can say that will change the situation I'm in. Right. So, you know, a decision has been, you know, if you played out, a decision has been made they're probably manifesting a positive outcome where they're not getting yelled at, right? Uh, by somebody that they have to let go. So in like, you know, they're probably expecting it, right? But how are you, how are you preparing yourself for obstacles, things that come up that are unexpected as you're trying to work towards, um, you know, goals and outcomes that you want for your life? Because even if you don't get what you desire, you're, pro- you're going to learn so much more along the way. Uh, if you just open yourself up to all the different things that could happen to you. And, and it doesn't mean you're just being paranoid, right? Like this could happen. This could happen. All these bad things could happen to me. It's more about the fact that you are thinking about them and preparing your mind for them and your heart for them. So when it does happen, like, okay, this was something that I played out in my mind on my journey to uh, X goal or X outcome. This is, these are the different ways I knew I might respond um, and it allows you to pick a healthier path. Healthier yeah, I mean, that, um, like Jeff's, Jeff's analogy of coming to the gym to want to meet your significant other, you know, as your end goal, you know, what can you do in the immediate, you know, right now, the things you can control, I could come in, I could work hard. I could, the name of the place is friendship. I could, I can meet some people. I can shake some hands. Boom. All of a sudden you're networking. People are getting to know you. And it it opens you up to hundreds of more people that you're going to meet. And hey, man, you should meet Sean. He's a great guy. Or hey, have you met Bobby? Um, you know, really cool. And it's and it's the same with with working out or with work. You know, and when I first had the opportunity here to to buy this company, you know, Amanda and I talked about it, and she was like, "All right, just don't bankrupt the family. That's like your, <laughs> that's like the main goal." And so, what a vote you know, of confidence. You, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, 
it's like, okay. Um, but you know, this is in 2013. We, you, you put your head down, you, you go to work, you focus on, you know, the now, and then, uh, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, holy moly, we just, we just grew this thing. And now you get to a point and I, and I think it's whether it's a relationship or at the gym or at work, you put your head down, you manifest something, you put your head down, you go to work and then boom, you're there. And then you're like, well, what's, what's the next thing, you know? And, and you feel all these same emotions and fears again, where you're like, well, now I don't, this is way different than where I was. How do I get to that? The next phase. And so again, you, you sit down, you reaccess and, and you move forward. It's, you know, when I, when I came into the gym, I, my goal wasn't to compete in a master's event. It was to get healthy for my kids and you put your head down and you go to work and, and you, and you get to that point and then you're like, Oh, well maybe I can compete in the masters. And then you do that. And, and Bobby star Fox and Maddie beat the shit out of you. And, and maybe you go back and you do it again. Right. Try it again. But um, yeah, it's, it's that, that controlling what you can tr- control is, you know, I, I think that's probably the most important thing because it's so easy to get caught up on that end goal of like losing the 20 pounds or meeting that person. The only thing I can control is right in front of me right now. It's trying to make a plan. Um, does that plan work? If not reassessing it and just keep grinding and working. Right. Well, and even in manifesting the, you know, the going through those processes. So like you take the blitz or you take to losing 20 pounds. It's like, listen, when you're going through that, if I was manifesting to Maria and I was saying like, we've done everything we can, we got, we got her to the best hospital. We got her in the hands of the best doctors and everything. And if we're talking through that and we came upon something that we didn't do, then like right away, just the process of manifesting is going to lead us to the next best action that we can take. Right. And so it's the same thing with losing 20 pounds. Like if you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, in order to lose 20 pounds, I need to manifest in my head what it's going to be like for me to have to make, you know, 18 meals every week, right? Like myself at home where I control the ingredients. Okay. Can I do that? What does that look like? Right. Is that even a possibility for me? And if you're saying, well, no, it's not, it's okay. Then I need to start thinking about where am I going to be eating out that I can eat healthy? What are my options? And, and it's going to lead you to, you know, the manifestation process of losing 20 pounds has got to lead you towards those actions that you have to take. And then in your head, say, am I actually doing what I need to do to lose the weight? Am I actually, you know, manifesting the right steps in the right processes to get there? Or am I just wishing, you know, and hoping and dreaming, but not, not actually thinking through the actual manifestation of the actions that it'll take. It's kind of the, uh, you know, selling the vacation, um, you know, not the actual travel, right? So it's like, hey, we're going to sit there and I'm going to sell you this Hawaii vacation, you know, at a, at a beach resort and what you don't think about, or maybe a better one would be like the Bahamas. And so what you're not saying is you got to deal with the, the passport people and you got to update that. And then you got to go sit in line at TSA and you got to go through five connections and they're going to lose your bags. And you got to go through all this crap. It's like, you have to think through all of that stuff, um, you know, and, and that's a part of those processes too. Um, you know, the vacation always sounds amazing, but sometimes the travel isn't worth, uh, you know, the expense. Uh, so that's always kind of the thing, the way that I like to think about it. And then, you know, to your point, Sean, earlier, when you're thinking about the relationship stuff, you know, like you said, I can't ever imagine or remember there being somebody in the gym who has actually met their significant other. And there has been a lot of that, right? I can't ever remember there being a person that 
did that where everybody in the facility wasn't like, like, dang, yeah, yeah, you totally should. Like that person's awesome. Like they're amazing. Or Sean, like you've hired people from the gym. It's a process of like, you kind of kick the tires a little bit and you're kind of like, Hey, like, we think about this guy girl. And I'm like, yeah, they're the best. Like you should hire, they're amazing. Like hire them on the spot. Of course you should. Um, and you know, and I think that that all is the same thing. Like, but if you're not manifesting those day-to-day relationships and how you treat people and how you treat, um, you know, the, what is seemingly just a partner that you're working out with for the day, that's what it might seem like. But that person might be tied into a business that you might eventually want to be in or a job that you could potentially have, or they might have a really cute single friend who they could introduce you to if you treat them really well. But if you come in and you're just real, like, yeah, standoffish, just like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll do the kettlebell swings, you do the pull ups, and then you just don't talk to the person. At the end of the day, it's like, all right, guys, give your partner a high five, and you just say, like, good job, and you just walk away, and you just don't engage with them at all. Like, you missed that opportunity. It was right there in front yeah. of you. And you didn't think that that was the actual thing that you needed to do in order to meet your boyfriend because you were maybe focused on the end goal or meet your girlfriend. But by not being present in the moment, by not manifesting that how I treat everybody is a direct reflection of my character, you know, and, and, you know, if I want to attract good people towards, towards me, I have to be a good person too. Um, you know, if you don't manifest those things sometimes, then that won't happen for you. 100%. All right. Manifestation down. So to summarize on manifestation, I think we, we at least mostly agree on uh, manifest the processes, right? That's going to help get you towards the, the end goal action. So, um, so I really like that. Thank you for saying that, uh, that podcast out. Now, Sean, you had said you were focusing mostly on uh, you know, this quote that we put on here. Does anyone right. know where we found this? I couldn't uh, remember. You, you, you I put, put it on there. there. I couldn't yeah. remember where um, I heard it, though. Which which one? Yeah, the, uh, everyone everyone wants, wants to, eat. to eat. Oh, Eric Thomas. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. Bobby sent it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everyone wants to eat. Nobody wants to hunt. Yeah, it is. He's the uh, he was the real popular like motivational speaker. I talked to football teams for all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, cool. I always enjoy his stuff. He's great. Okay. Like Thanks you're going to get hyped up on on YouTube. He's got some really good ones. Um, but yeah, Sean, I think you were kind of you were focusing a little bit on this. So kind of why don't you kick us off a little bit on uh, you know, kind of what this quote, like what you took away from it and what it made you think about. <laughs> John's, John's, John's internet connection is, uh, is not, he's cursed. <laughs> Get back in here, John. That's where I'm going to edit it. We're live. And that's it for today's podcast. <laughs> we were joking while you were gone that, uh, that, uh, Seneca is coming down and, and fucking with your internet just to test your uh, resolve and your temperance. What in the name of all that is holy here? Yeah, I like the, um, you know, the, the a lot of the quotes that we have up here sort of do tie together, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the I just put this one up here as a podcast I was listening to on my way home from basketball today. And he just goes, you must suck before you are good. And I was like, Oh, I like that a lot. Um, you know, and it kind of goes through that same thing, you know, I, and you know, everybody wants to eat. Nobody wants to hunt that mentality. It's kind of that same thing where you got to think through the full process, like, um, from getting from the hunt itself to eating, it's a tough physical 
mental, emotional process. I mean, you have to, number one, you have to be willing to find an animal. You have to be willing to take its life. You know, that right there is going to cut out 90% of people, right? Um, once you do that, then you have to know what to do next. You have to know how to properly, you know, dress the meat and go through all of that, how to store the meat, how to transport the meat, and then how to cook the meat. Um, and a lot of people want to get to that last moment, but they don't have the just baseline appreciation. Like it's something I think about all the time. I communicate this frequently with my family. When we get to eat steak, I'm always in that boat of like, first of all, I'm so thankful that there are ranchers that exist that are still letting cow run free and go through the process of actually like feeding them naturally, letting them, you know, graze and grass and go through the tilling process and organic and natural farming, restorative and regenerative farming. Like, I'm so thankful because they are fighting such an uphill battle. Then I'm so thankful for the butcher shops and people who are actually dedicated to dealing with cutting meat and living in that, you know, smelly, cold, challenging environment that they go through every day that are willing to go through that work because that's really challenging work. And Bobby and I actually talk about this when we go up to Scramblers and Powell, there used to be Stover Farms uh, right there next to that. And I went in there and I was, it was the only place that I would get meat because it was a local farm with local people that had a local butcher shop. And I was like, I don't care how much this meat costs. We need to support this. And I tried to buy as much meat as physically possible. I mean, we were eating flank steak like four nights a week (laughs) because of that place. And now they're gone and it's not there anymore. And I miss it. And I can't like, I don't like the meat that I'm eating as much and it's not local. I don't know where it's from. I can't shake the farmer's hand and our community, the Powell community lost something major there because they were going to whatever, wherever they were going to, you know, and now they're going to get a second opportunity. Butcher and grocer is going to come in and everyone's going to look at it and go, Oh, that's expensive. And it's like, yes, it's a, like a, from locally sourced farms. It's expensive. Um, but I just think that's one of those things, but it's healthier. It's better for you. It's right. It's real. It's people like you can go and shake their hands. Um, and the further that we get down some of this, like, you know, sweatshop meat mentality, people lose appreciation by going to a grocery store and not thinking about being thankful for where their food has come from and the process that's had to go through. And so I kind of just look at this as just like, uh, if you, if, if we ever, went into such a bad situation in our society, or even if we were put into third world countries, um, you know, into that, into that place in our lives where you had to source your own food and we had to go through that. Um, if you really think about what that would do to people and that grow up in America in grocery store life, um, I think it would just break 90% of them, which is fine. I'm not saying that that's like a problem with our society or that like, that's a problem with people's skill sets. What I am saying though, is that should lead to a lot of gratitude. Like that should be something that we are consciously speaking out into public, like that we are very thankful for. And I think we're just not thankful enough for the entire like food industry from, from farm to table, if you will, um, near enough. And so that's kind of like, what I took away from that now, and obviously the analogy and processes towards everything, but I think it's indicative of a lot of stuff. A lot of people just see the end product and are just like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like I'll sit down, I'll eat this. And they don't necessarily build the gratitude for what it took to get there. Um, so that was kind of what I took away from it. That's a problem with everything, right? I mean, like you see someone who's in phenomenal shape and you're like, Oh man, look at that guy. I'm not, not as fortunate as him. Well, he didn't get to that 
point, but just right. Like he's been working on it his whole life. And I think that's part of, you know, is you have to embrace the journey, whether it's, um, you know, being a, a, a great carpenter, a great, you know, someone who's great at the gym or someone who's built a, a bunch of wealth, you know, from hard work, like that's a journey. And I think people don't appreciate the hard work or like, you know, you, you focus so much on that end goal that you don't take time to appreciate the journey and everything that you're going to learn along the way. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting uh, thought, Jeff. But I think, I, I think, you know, it, it's probably helpful for people to know, like, what do we mean when we say embrace the journey? You know, like if you just take the gym, for example, you know, what we're what we're saying is if you are not uh, putting yourself in a position to push yourself where you're not going to get some level of embarrassment out of it, um, if you're not going to complete a lift because there's too much. Uh, weight on the bar for what you're used to, you're probably not making progress at perhaps as quickly, uh, maybe quickly is not the right word, but in the way that you hope for yourself. So I think when we say, you know, you've got to, you know, embrace the journey, you've got to, you know, learn, you know, learn to enjoy the process of quote unquote hunting. I think what we're trying to say is there are some mental barriers that um, folks go through, including myself. I mean, I still, face mental challenges, you know, we can just talk about the gym in and of itself um, that I face, you know, every day or, you know, several times a week. Um, but I'm much more comfortable putting myself in a position to either look foolish on a movement, fail a lift, um, you know, maybe, you know, thinking that I'm going to partner with somebody and we're going to have a great workout and it goes completely sideways um, and, and maybe perhaps I contributed to that. I mean, I, there was a time where I avoided all of that. Uh, and the more and more I put myself in a position to, you know, embrace those things, knowing that, you know, I am probably going to look silly when Jeff releases the workouts for the masters and we have to do handstand walks. Like maybe I just won't do them because I don't even want to try them. And, you know, kicking my feet up there and knowing that I'm probably going to fall over and look like an idiot. Um, it, it, but that's the only way I'm going to learn how to do it. And so I think the more confidence people build um, in themselves to just put themselves out there, knowing that uh, you know, you're putting, you're making yourself vulnerable and look, if you do that and our, our community has people that, um, you know, unfortunately may giggle or laugh or make a comment about your movement, like, fuck them. You know, like you're, you're there for you at the end of the day. You're not there for other people. I don't go to the gym, um, you know, because I feel like I want to, uh, get things out of it that are for other people. If that happens, that's great, but that's not why I'm there. I am there uh, to become a healthier person physically and mentally. That's the bottom line. If I'm not there for those reasons, why am I going to the gym? You know, and I, and I think, um, and I, and, and I, you know, we've talked about relationships and all the great things that, that can come out of being a part of the gym. But like, look, there are days where I'm low energy. Like, I don't actually want to go to class. Those are days that, you know, I call days of discipline. Like, I'm here because I need to be here and I'm forcing myself into this. Um, because I know I'm going to get 1% better after this. And maybe 
I don't hit the weights that I want to hit, but I've manifested for myself that I'm going to take something positive out of this hour. Maybe it means I, you know, catch up with a friend I haven't seen in a while. I introduce myself to a new member. That's those are the types of things that make me feel good. Doesn't mean it makes everybody else feel good. Um, but I think that when we say embracing the journey, it's like going in there and taking something positive out of it, whether it's physical, mental, relational. That's what we're talking about. It's not again. It's not hoping. It's not dreaming. It's not you know thinking like oh I just you know. You're saying embrace the journey and, you know, hunt for the prize, but I don't really know what that means. It means putting yourself out there, knowing, you know, and developing that, that mental muscle of, um, you know, knowing that you're there for you and whatever happens outside of that, you're still working on yourself and that's what matters. Yeah. Right. I think the other thing with that, um, you know, when you, go through those processes and and you see those, you are in some way or another kind of creating or, you know, I guess to take it back, manifesting uh, that you're going to make your, make your day and better. And you do have control over that. And so your actions that, you know, if you're having a down day or a low energy day, you've got a lot of options for low energy stuff. Like obviously like I can sit on the couch and I can bury myself in social media and stuff. And it's like, is that, is that going to get me where I want to go? You know, is that going to get me closer to my goals? Um, or is that going to make me more low energy, right? Which 99 times out of a hundred, um, I think we've all probably done that, that in a night where we're feeling like down and you just bury yourself in social media and go to bed. Usually aren't like going to bed, like, whew, man, I feel better. Like I definitely feel way better. <laughs> it's like usually the opposite. And to take your analogy for handstand walks too, you know, I, the thing that I've realized over time is like you said, you you kick up right and you're probably going to fail and you're going to fall and the thing that i that i've realized now after watching so many people go through this journey is there doesn't exist somebody in the world who is good at handstands who hasn't fallen a lot more than you have exactly. that hasn't looked sillier than you did exactly. and like you know and that's kind of where i always think about this is like if somebody can do something that you cannot, that means that all the silly things that you're going to do along the way that where you're going to fail and look like an idiot doing, they've already gone through that. They've already done that failure. They've already made those mistakes. They've already gone through the process of it. Like I tell people all the time, it was the first time I ever tried to kick up into a handstand, I was like 24 years old. Okay. And I was like, totally headstrong in the like, I'm a, a in shape fit army guy. I can do a million pushups. I'm look at this. I'm just going to kick up to a handstand. So I tried to kick up. We had hardwood floors in Grant's condo. And I tried to kick up right in the kitchen, right against the wall. And I couldn't do it. And so I like kicked up real strong, came right down on the top of my head and split the top of my head open. Um, and like felt horribly and ended up like bent on the wall like this. And then like crumbled down and had this horrible fall. And in my head, I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I can't do that. And but it's like, why would I have why would I have earned that? Right. Like there's I'd never done one before. I had no coach. I had no like nobody to tell me what to do. So I went and got a bunch of pillows and I ended up pulling my mattress out and putting it into his living room and practice handstands on the mattress a bunch. And 
kept falling and kept failing. And I was getting really frustrated. I was like, I don't know why I can't do this. Um, and then I went through the process of like looking up all the videos and learning how to do it. But then when Jay and I started to practice out on the grass, I had one time where I fell and like back smacked real hard. And I'm pretty sure I like cracked a rib and knocked the wind out of me. Um, and I had to practice so much and it came really easily to Jay. But then like when you have a discussion on that, where it came easily to somebody when you talk to Jay, he's like, well, yeah, but I also like did gymnastics growing up and I did a bunch of cartwheels and we had to do all these like handstand things with the jump rope uh, group that I was in. And so there was all these like things where he was practicing that already. And so like, you're never going to get away from the fact that somebody can do a handstand walk means that they have spent tangible time in their life, falling over, losing their balance, failing, probably doing so around other people. Um, or like, and to be honest with you, I did it not around other people. It didn't take the embarrassment out of falling and cracking my head. <laughs> it's like still, you know, still. Yeah. and so what you find then Bobby, like to your point is, there's nobody that will ever that that ha, can do it that will ever actually snicker at you. Like that's what I find is like nobody who nope. can do a handstand is going to watch you fail a handstand and go <laughs> what an idiot. It's like they all are going to go, yeah, that's what happens. Just keep doing it though. Like you trust me, I've fallen a million times. It's not a big deal. Here's how you can fall better. And when I found that out, then I could try more and then like, you know, and so they'll help you. And that's what I found so much was true with like the higher levels of anything, the higher levels of like, if you go and compete in CrossFit and you, you know, you fail a snatch out in public or you do something like nobody ever like laughs at you because they all have failed a million times too. And all they'll do is they'll give you some tips. And it's like the higher skill or the higher level the people get that you're around, the less you find that they're willing to laugh at you and the more that you're willing to find that they're willing to help you. And so the only to your point of sort of the fuck them, the only people that are actually willing to laugh at you are the people who don't understand the process of anything. They exactly. don't understand how to accomplish anything serious because the entire process requires failing. And sometimes that means failing publicly. And, and, in, 11, and in 11, to be clear, in an 11 and a half years at the gym, I've actually never seen that happen. So I think it's just, and I understand it completely. It's the fear that people have because I had that fear too. Right. And, and you know, handstands, that's a complicated movement. You could pick anything, dude. You could pick, yeah. you know, there's, there's always, I mean, I had hesitancy, uh, first time trying to jump on a 24 inch box, hesitancy trying to do a rope climb. Um, I'm still last on the runs and a lot of running workouts outside. Um, I just don't care. And I did care back then and I don't now. And the reason my mind has changed over that period of time is because I just kept showing up and trying. And then next thing you know, there's going to be a class where, you know, I, there's a running joke that like, I always end up PRing on days where like, we're not intended to, but my body just felt good. But it's on those days where we're supposed to PR and you come in and you warm up for like 20 minutes and you just don't have it. Right. And it's those days where you're like, I don't know, just another day doing box jumps. And next thing you know, you're like doing them, you know? And so, um, I think that, that, you know, it's just that fear uh, that, I, that I totally get. But, um, you know, trying to help people understand that it is a safe space to sort of try those things out, knowing that, um, you know, barring injury, we want everyone to, you know, push themselves in a way that is safe and healthy. Um, that in term, but with respect to, you know, the, the, the mental risk that you feel like you're taking, it's probably not as serious as you think it is. Yeah. 
Agreed. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, there's that quote that I put on there that success is 99% failure, right? So to, to get that handstand walk, you know, the amount of time you have to put in or to get that, you know, 2K row time or, I mean, it's, you, have to, you have to fail so many times be able to do that stuff. Um, I mean, you have to be, you have to be willing to do it. And, and like you said, Bobby, you have, to, you have to be, you know, the community that we have, you know, is that helps that process um, so much. None of us are getting any younger, right? So we, we got to maximize our time in the gym for that one hour we're there or in any other environment where we're looking to make progress, whether it be your, you know, career, your relationships, um, you know, manifest what you want and start manifesting the process uh, and just see what happens. And I guarantee you, if it doesn't work out the way you thought, you probably did learn something. Yeah, right. I mean, if you if you do fail, like it's I mean, I'm, I'm such an encouraging person when it comes to like people start you know, trying to start new businesses, side hustles, is kind of the new thing that a lot of people won't like dive double feet in with with a new business as much as they'll start a side hustle that will burgeon into something serious. Um, and it's like, you just, you know, the whole thing is just like, listen, like if, if you haven't failed like this week or this month on something, you're probably just sticking in your comfort zone, which is fine. Right. But then don't expect this to turn into anything more than it is right now. Like it's just going to stay where it is, which is kind of true with health and fitness. It's like, listen, you know, like you can come in and like, I can put 95 to 135 on the bar for everything and be very comfortable with whatever I'm doing at those weights and not like ever feel like I'm really pushing it or anything. I can just stay right there, but then I can't have that expectation that I'm going to develop or going to improve, or I'm going to have anything that's going to like impress me with my own health and fitness. And that's fine every now and again, if that's what I want out of it. Right. Like if I'm just coming, like I said, like I'm just coming for some stress relief to be around people for a little bit, that's totally appropriate in that situation. But if you're saying they're saying, I do want to accomplish this, I want to, you know, I want to lose some weight. I want to build some muscle. I want to be a little more capable and stronger. And, you know, for, for Sean coming up here, I want to be able to push Jack around to make sure I can still win a wrestling match with the, with the teenage male. Um, you know, that's, those are those things where it's like, listen, that's going to start to become a little more challenging every year, every year. Um, and you know, that's, that's that. Good. That also comes like you need to surround yourself with those people too, who are going to make you do that. Like who are going to push. I mean, you know, you need, you need to, you need people who are going to give you critical feedback and. Oh, that's right. Where I was going to go. You're just lobbing me up. I love that. Boom. You know, I mean, just, I mean, perfect example is that workout yesterday. I wanted to do a red sandbag and Bobby's like, we're going to do a black sandbag. Um, And, and you know, if, if he wasn't there or, or if somebody else doesn't have to be Bobby, it could be Andy, it could be Matt, it could be you, it could be Tim, anybody. Um, you need somebody to push. And man, it was awesome, right? Like you got through it, you have that sense of accomplishment, but you need to surround yourself with people who want to make you better and who are going to push you outside of your comfort zone. It's that, it's that Jordan real man. He, he, you know, pull people with you. Yeah. Sometimes don't want to be pulled in. And look, the thing is, if you would have brought the red back, that would have been fine, right? But if you're committed to the workout and you're going hard, then who cares, right? right. Yeah. You're doing the red, but if you're doing a, a sandbag that you know is comfortable for you and you're, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions with the red bag, hopping on the echo and kind of doing whatever, that's different, right? So we're not saying like, 
hey, you know, you got to be hard and go get the heaviest bag out there. It's what are you going in with the right mental framework to get better? You know, forget the forget the weight, right? I I told you you could do it because I knew that you could do it, not because I felt like it was going to be something that was going to you know challenge you above and beyond what you ever had before. But you can do it and do it with us, and that's you know again, it's about what do you want to get out of that hour? Some days you're you know I I go in you know if if it's a day we're supposed to get to eighty eighty five percent, my body's not feeling it. Like okay, I'll go to sixty five seventy five percent. Um, and someday, like yesterday, the first half was very challenging for me. I could not do those box step ups uh, with the barbell with much of any weight on it. Right. So by the end of it, I was just doing body weight lunges. Right. Because that's what worked for me. But I did all my reps. I did all my sets, you know. And so I think that's that is like the broader point that we're all trying to make. Yeah, that's the learning lesson that's really hard for people to take in over time. And it's like I found that people really struggle with that. So the self-scaling mentality, Bobby, like you said, is like, it's like, hey, what do we need to do to make sure you get all the reps in today? And let's just do that. Right. Yeah, I think there's two two pieces of that critical feedback is you have to you have to one, see, seek it out, surround, surround yourself with people who are going to give it to you. And two, you have to be open to it. Um, yeah, that's the biggest one. And I think back to many times, whether it's in the gym or in my career, like I, I could remember one on this big project we had and it wasn't going well. And the owner of the company brought me in one-on-one and, and he said, here's all the things that are going wrong. And I want you to be aware of them because, you know, I think we could turn it around now. And I, I remember weaving and just being like, son of a, you know, this project is hard. Who is he? He doesn't know. But um, by the end of the, like, I took it in and if I was being honest with myself, he was a hundred percent. Right. And it was the biggest favor really anyone had, had done for me because he cared enough to give me that, that feedback and, and not give it to me in a negative way. Um, and it, and it made us better for it, but yeah, you have to be, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes when somebody comes at you with, whether it's, it's, you know, Amanda saying, Hey, like we are not clicking this week. What's going on? Like, it's like, I'm busy. <laughs> like, back off. Um, yeah. But it's hard to, to hear that. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you know, Bobby, I think you even wrote down, you know, or somebody wrote, it's better to keep your mouth shut and, and let people think you're an idiot than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I think sometimes you have to take it in. And before you, you just initially react by saying something like that, you have to really think, okay, is, is that, is that true? Yeah, it is true. And, um, how do we remedy it or how do we get better? And, and, you know, in a relationship, it's just the, it's communication. Yeah, you're right. This is why, this is why I'm off. It's been a crazy week, blah, 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 blah. Thanks for reeling me back in. People aren't doing that because, um, they don't like you or they're trying to push your buttons. They do it because they care. And so I think that just, with age is being open to immaturity, not age, but maturity to be able to accept that, that feedback and grow from it. Yeah. I think it's the, the, like you said, the, the second one being open to it. And I think the, the big one too, is you have to realize that very commonly most people uh, who are going to actually give you some critical feedback on things, um, they're, they're doing it for the most part out of, out of care. Like if they didn't care, if they didn't care about you or about whatever it is, they just wouldn't even bother with it. Like why waste their time? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if, if they care and they share that, 
then, you know, that's the biggest thing. And, and one of the things I've really had to work on over the years, and I'm still not great at it. And it's probably one of my biggest personality challenges um, is my immediate, immediate response to like getting some critical feedback. A lot of times, like often like unsolicited, right? Critical feedback. Um, I'm trying really hard to like continue to be, be much more like open and thankful. And I always get around to that, like days later, right. Or weeks later or whatever it is. Like I always get around to it. Um, but it's hard. Like if, if you come off in your initial reaction to getting some of that critical feedback is immediately like, the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like what? And like, that's your feedback. Like even like that facial expression from me with that tonality, Immediately then, like that person who cared about you was trying to make it like, let's say for me, like was trying to make friendship a better place and just offer a suggestion or whatever it is. Um, and they did that out of caring and wanting to help us. Um, and now they're never going to come back to me again with any feedback, right? They're going to be like, oh shit. And I like, Jeff doesn't want to hear any of that kind of stuff. And they're going to shut down to it. So now, you know, my business might have gaps or holes or things that could be better that won't be brought to my attention because I was not open to whatever it is. You know, and I, I'm, I feel like, or at least I hope I'm getting better. And we've had multiple like member suggestions this year. Like we, you know, we just re, I renumbered all the rig labels. We put the red and yellow tape on the J cups. Like those are all member suggestions. Game right? it's yeah. Game changers. Right. Yeah. You guys love that stuff. Um, and like those were, those were critical feedback from members. Um, and I, and, you know, I was able to take action on them relatively quickly. Um, and like, I don't know if I would have been as open as that, as that stuff when I was younger, but still I have huge gaps in that, in my personality. So if you guys are listening and you have critical feedback, um, share it with me and make me better, uh, <laughs> because it's like always something I'm, I'm trying to work on and, and pay attention to. And then I'm also trying to be really honest with people where it's like, if you do share something with me and it's like, I'm absolutely never going to do that. And here's why, um, you know, having that com- conversation with people as well. Um, I've gotten better at that where it's just like, I, I appreciate your feedback. That's great feedback. I have thought about that. We've been through that whole process. We aren't going to do it. And here's exactly why we're not going to do it. Um, and being able to articulate. So hopefully people don't feel like, Oh, well, you know, he just blew me off. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing in, in just realizing trying to be somebody who outwardly projects being open to that critical feedback, Sean, um, really, really hard as, as you know, we're all in leadership positions. Um, and I just think that's something that's really hard for people in leadership positions. Yeah. But I mean, that's what makes the best leaders too, right? It's being able, like, like you said, you, I'm the same way. Like I, I like to think of myself as a total gangster when somebody tells me, you know, gives me some critical feedback. It's like that scene in the untouchables. Like I want his wife dead, his kids dead. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like, all right, I say that in my head and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll critically think about it or whatever and, and, you know, respond properly. But I think that's all part of growth. Like um, that's what makes, that's what makes you again, a great leader. And all those experiences, um, you know, come over time and through it and being able to just, and it comes from like, we've talked about this whole time, putting yourself out there is just, you know, showing up day to day and having that, uh, positive outlook and, you know, manifesting like, you know, here's the end goal is how am I going to get there every single day? Um, you know, you you just try to become a little bit better. Feedback's hard. You got to be really good at knowing, uh, your audience and crafting how you give it. And you have to be a leader to be able to receive it. 
So whether you're the one getting the feedback or you're the one giving the feedback, the most productive relationships require both people to play well together in those conversations. Right, right. And, yeah, be, receiving it had definitely has made me a lot better at giving it also, knowing when to give it and how to give it and all that stuff. And like just trying to think about it. It's almost like you like, it's like, listen, I'm going to hedge, 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 compliment, compliment. Right. And then maybe like, have you thought about this? Right. Um, if, if it's given at all, but then, you know, a lot of, you know, to, I think Sean, you may put on here, like a lot of it is just like, maybe is, or Bobby, you put it on here. I begin to speak only when I'm certain that what I'll say isn't better left unsaid. I think that's such a, a good way to put it is like, you really have to do think through that stuff is like, does this really need to be said? Is this something, you know, that's a lot of times what I ask people if they, if they have like a change or something that they really want to make in the gym, it's just like, like, are you really sure that you, that you like want that and would come. It's like, we used, we used to have like people who would like suggest class times. And it's like, awesome. Like, are you committed to coming to eight fifteen AM Monday through Friday, like every day? And do you have like, we need another eight to 10 people who are going to commit to that every single week. And, you know, without failure, make that class uh, for us to make that a viable choice. Um, you know, we've tried it and it, hasn't worked out in the past. I, I'm wondering if you think something's going to be different. Um, and it's just like, if you can't guarantee that and I can't guarantee that, then that seems like a really poor business decision on our end to, to do that. Um, and so, you know, I always think that that's, that's something like you said, it's just like, would this left be, be better left unsaid? Um, and that's, that's the process I go through in my head. Bobby is always like, okay, I'm going to approach this person. I'm going to say this thing. And you go through a lot of times like, does do I really need to say it? Is anyone else going to say it? Right. Is it like all on me? You know? Well, you know, and that has been a, a very long journey for me, you know, from early career uh, to now where I think and what I think what reson what what resonates with me personally is what is your desired outcome from this conversation? Because oftentimes the things that I used to want to say was all about my pride and my ego. I want to make a point so people know that I'm making the point. I want to get in this argument so people know that I can hold my own. But my, so, and, you know, I deal with this, you know, at work regularly, which is, you know, me and another unit leader can go out and can go at it over a certain topic. But my desired outcome is actually for us to have a positive relationship and mutual respect for each other at the end of the conversation. So if we just go tit for tat in an argument, and I'm putting them in their place and they're putting me in my place. I have completely lost sight of my desired outcome, right? I've actually made my situ situation way, way, way worse. And now I have to go back and think of new conversations and a new way of dealing with this individual um, because I wasn't focused on my desired outcome. And so when I'm, you know, when I, when I think about that, it's more like things that are better left unsaid are usually nothing that has to do with what I want to have happen at the end of this conversation. Are we going to shake hands? Are we going to have mutual respect for each other? Are we going to able, be able to make progress towards our broader goals, which nine times out of 10 have nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with the people that we serve. And so if we just kind of get into this pissing match, then what's probably better is if I just take the feedback and say, I really appreciate it. I need some time to think about this. Let's pick up this conversation on this topic at a different date. Let's talk about the business at hand today and let's just keep this moving. Or I can say, uh, well, we're not just going to, we're not going to move forward with that idea. And, um, and you're not really thinking through this well. 
and these are all the things that you don't know about the situation, but you're acting like you know about the situation. So, you know, there are so many different ways that can antagonize just for the sake of making your self feel better. Um, that probably just doesn't need to happen in the first place. Yeah, I, I really like that question of, you know, what is the goal in this conversation? I think like 90% of like all political conversations could basically be ended there, right? And like you could start from, um, it's basically you have two different conversations when we talk about that, right? Or like in your point, like even at, at you know, your business is like, either my goal is to convince you that my side is right, mm-hmm. or my goal is to seek to understand, Okay. And those are like the only two ends of this conversation that can happen that like we're about to get on. And so if it's seek to understand, and that's truly your goal. Hey, Bobby, you know, I heard that you believe X. I really can't wrap my head around why somebody would believe X. Can you run me through the thought process of that? Right. Right. And you lay out your full thought, thought process. The only next piece for me is thank you. That really helped provide clarification for me. I really appreciate it. It's not, but didn't you know that blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, actually, my goal was to convince you that I was right and you were wrong, right? Like, that was actually the goal of this conversation. And I think that's where a lot of people, like you said, like when you were younger, you're, you're kind of like seeking to, to have your own, you know, like leg up in the conversation. Like you're seeking to win the conversation for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and like you said, as you get older, like you just are resigned to just like, Okay, you win. <laughs> like I, I don't, ca- I don't care. Like it's just like okay, you win, whatever. Um, or you know, it's like if you don't break that down beforehand. So I think your that question is like a key cornerstone question that you can ask yourself whenever you're diving into any kind of conversation, whether it be with a client, a peer, a superior, whatever it is, um, is like, hey, what is the goal of this conversation? Um, you know, the goal of this conversation is just to spend time with each other and grow camaraderie. The goal of it, like, that's the goal of this conversation. <laughs> it's just like for us to be together and to learn a little bit about each other and try to think through the thought processes and things that we're going through and struggling with and working on and, um, share that with other people and, you know, then create conversations with those other people who will listen to this and get them thinking about stuff that maybe we're thinking about or have already thought through. And, you know, I think that's the, that's the big thing that you can ask about any, any, question or any conversation you have with your wife or your kids or, you know, anybody that's kind of surrounding your life, what is the goal of this? And yeah, a lot and, of times it shuts down conversations that don't need to happen. And this, I mean, and, and it's, um, it's very, it's very obvious which folks are in strong relationships with their, you know, significant other, whether it be boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, uh, based on how they handle this actual concept. And so, you know, uh, you can get very, you can get trapped pretty quickly in an argument over nothing. Um, and there are, you know, folks in my life um, who do not handle this well at all. I mean, they've gone through hell and back in their relationship. And when you actually look at the root cause, um, it's because they don't know how to have these types of conversations. They just love going to war. And, um, you know, it's toxic for, for those two, um, it's toxic for, you know, the, the, the family and the people around them that are trying to help, you know, make a situation better. Um, and so I give the example of work, but, you know, in relationships, your, your ability to, to master that. And again, embrace a journey of getting better because you're not going to just all of a sudden, 
um, have, you know, infinite wisdom overnight. It takes time to have those types of conversations with people that you care about. Um, but when you do, you know, for example, like, you know, uh, the, sh- uh, the, the two of us have in- incredibly headstrong spouses um, that, you know, uh, are leading our families as well. And we get caught in very serious conversations and our ability to get on the other side of those conversations is the types of things we're going to bring up on our way to the end of that discussion. Right. So if it just ends up being me versus you and you're wrong and I'm right, well, have we both gotten ourselves to where we want to be at the end of this discussion? Probably not. Did we just kind of tell each other why each other are wrong and why one of us um, has a better perspective or more educated or more intellectual perspective than the other. Um, you know, sometimes, right. It's not perfect. Uh, you're not, you're not going to have the easiest straightforward conversations every single time. Um, but how are you managing the the tension in a conversation with somebody that is either a colleague that you have to navigate a work issue with uh, a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, somebody you're getting to know for the first time when you're dating how are you going to handle yourself during those conversations? And usually when things tend to go south, it, uh, it always it always stems from just not being able to, for lack of a better phrase, get over yourself and that person not being able to get over themselves. Yeah, I think that goes for parenting, too. You know, even with with the kids is, you know, my dad was always like, you know, it's my way or the highway, right? I, and I think for me, that was a learning process with, you know, with, with the way that I parent is I, I definitely sort of do that sometimes still, but you know, it's how do I deliver that critical feedback to the kids, whether it's in ac- academics, uh, athletics, you know, with, with the kids that they're hanging out with that, you know, might not be like the best kids. How do I get them to how do I give that feedback to get them to, to realize it on their own? And that's sort of the end goal of those conversations is, um, you know, trying to get them to critically think like, you know, Hey, you know, Jack, I love watching you play soccer. A lot of times I'll leave it at that. And, um, and, and he'll go, do you think I gave a hundred percent? And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what I think Do you know, whether you gave a hundred percent or not. Right. So did you, and it just leave it at that. Right. I don't, I don't need an answer, but I want you to think about that. And Hey, you know, you better, you know, you know, at school, you know, this teacher is, is really tough and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to reach my, my goal grade or whatever. And it's like, well, what can you do, um, you know, to, you know, to get, where you need to be or, you know, relationships with their friends, like, Hey, especially now with, with all these kids driving, which is a whole nother, you know, parenting makes me super anxious. And, um, you know, you, you have to be, you know, what, which kids are good kids and, you know, who you need to, you know, don't want to say stay away from, but when you're hanging out with them, like, you know, you know what that kid does, how's it going to impact you? What's, you know, you sort of got to, you know, end game it instead of don't hang out with that kid, you know, or screw that teacher, or, you know, it's, yeah, it's you talking know, with them, not talking at them, you know, you have to really, um, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to give them that again, feedback and, and, and hope that they are open to it. And, you know, just like we, we have, we've made a ton of mistakes. They're going to have to learn. Oh, you hope they learn from their mistakes as they move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's such a tough conversation. Like, I don't even know if kids are aware of it. Um, but like, 
I think sometimes breaking down or maybe what would have been helpful to me, I think when I was that age and struggling with those things is understanding when I was maybe like, if I understood the idea of like one of the base needs of human beings is like status, right? If you like kind of like Jordan Peterson mentality of like, you know, we do have a human need and uh, this hierarchy that we're always putting ourselves in. And I think in high school specifically for like a high school male, like, they're dealing with these status like hierarchies all day long. And they're stuck in this environment that like forces these, these, you know, status symbols and things upon you. It's what you wear. It's what your hair looks like. It's how you dress. It's what sports you play. It's who you interact with. Everything is a status positive or a status negative. Right. And like that was never brought up or like discussed with me. And so if I really boiled down almost all of my decisions were based on trying to like, uh, uh, you know, acquire status um, when I was that age. And it's such a kind of futile thing because that status isn't real at that moment. Like that's it really status for the most part in a lot of our society isn't, isn't real. It's manifested. We make up these like fake things to provide us a status because it's like where we, what we are and who we are as human beings, because we need some way to understand that like, she's better than her or I'm better than him or whatever, because that's like ingrained in our DNA. But in reality, like we're all going to get to go home and eat, <laughs> you know, like we're all going to survive and go home and sleep, which really was what status used to be was you had to kill off the weak and the strong had to survive. And that was why status was important. And that's gone now for the most part. And so it's like, we don't need to worry about that. Like status is, it's not real. Like it doesn't matter, you know, it, who's the richest man in the world. They, they, they watch the same TVs that we do, you know, they're on the same internet that we are. It doesn't make a difference. Um, and so it's like, you kind of get to this point where I wish somebody who has like a teenage boy would have just sat me down and just been like, talked me through the idea of like, you're just like a lot of this stuff is just status. Like sometimes you just want to hang out with those people because they might up your rep, you know, or your status symbol. Um, and if you can understand that, like, but in reality, they also are a reputational risk to you because they're not a good person and they have low integrity. And we understand that they do things that are potentially going to get you arrested or kicked off these other things that do provide you status. Right. So it's like, but if, you know, is, if that gets you kicked off the soccer team, does that make your status more positive and more negative? And so um, I think sometimes it's really hard to have those conversations, but like you said, you're doing the hard work of talking with him and asking right. him questions rather than telling him. And that was, I think, a, a huge, a, one of the big positives of our society of sharing information, podcasts and books and some of these things is I do think that our generation is, is parenting better because we're able to break down some of these things about um, how teenage psychology works and how, um, you know, the, the struggles and the things that they're going through is much more shared. Whereas before, you know, the internet or cell phones or some of those things, I think some of that stuff was so just like in your house, in your experience, and you don't talk about it with other people and it's not brought up and there's not a lot of books you can read about it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's definitely a positive for sure is, um, it's not, you don't just push it way deep down. <laughs> yeah. Serenity yeah. now. You, you, you know, you are allowed to share your emotion and it's encouraged. And that's, that is a great thing. And obviously the sharing of information, if, if you're willing to take it in and, you know, open yourself to it, um, is, is fantastic. A lot of people. I think today it's harder than ever to 
uh, separate status and identity. I mean, I, I, I feel like at this age for myself, you know, it is, it is a balance of being open-minded, listening to the people that are around me, continuing to take feedback to be a better father, husband, friend, uh, son. Um, and also not giving a shit. And I think that's really hard. So like, you know, I, I think there's, uh, like I said, there's a, there's a balance between saying like, I'm, I'm going to have a growth mindset. I'm, I'm going to, you know, take feedback. I want to learn from people who I admire or, uh, you know, aspire to be. Um, uh, but at the same time, I'm not going to get caught up in, you know, what social media is telling me, what the mainstream media is telling me. Um, I still need to be able to be independent enough to not, you know, and, and even make it incredibly simple. I'm not going to get uh, intimidated by what other people are doing at the gym, how fast they run, how high they jump, how, you know, how much they lift, et cetera, et cetera. Like I need to be able to like the last podcast, like I know what I need to do. I need to stay right here. Right. I can't get caught up in other things. Um, so I'm not going to give that mental attention, but at the same time, you have to be able to recognize the wisdom that's around you and also be open-minded and learn from that too. And that's, that's, that's really hard. Um, and I don't, you know, it's very prevalent with, with teenagers for sure. I mean, Sean, the stories that you share, you know, my kids are nine and four um, and they're sort of dealing with those sorts of things. I mean, Camden, not as much, he's four, um, but Dylan, you know, he's a third grade and it's, it's, I, I can see it starting to bubble to the surface in terms of how he's making decisions for himself um, based on what other people are doing. And so when you share stories about, you know, what Jack and Maggie are going through, um, you know, again, I'm manifesting as I'm hearing you, right? What processes can I put in place to help navigate my children th through those things? It's not about avoidance. It's about helping them understand mentally what's going to happen when these things come up, when when folks around you can drive a car and you want to go do things on your own, et cetera. So um, it's a, it's a balance for sure. Yeah. And that idea of like not giving a shit in reality. Like I, when you say that, I always hear like, you just understand your priorities, right? right. Like um, is what, what's something I, I don't have to expend any mental energy on. And what are the things that, because I don't spend any mental expend any mental energy on that I'm available to spend all of my mental energy on this. And that's always been my thing against social media is I think so many people and it's gotten, I actually think it's gotten better. I think, um, people have started to see through the veil a little bit of social media, but they're just kind of like, what is this doing for me? Like, this is just like, I'm not, I'm not getting any, anything out of this. It's just expending mental energy for no reason. Um, and I do think that that has started to change and for the better around all of the just crazy crap that's happened over, you know, the, the COVID years and beyond and just how much of a, a energy suck that could be. And you can imagine it for kids. I mean, how easy it was with them with no in-person encounters and interactions, or at least way less than they were used to, how easy it was to get sucked into to the energy suck of social media. But having that understanding of like, you know, the conversation I actually just had with my mom yesterday to go back to what you were saying, Bobby, is like just tuning out everything that can get so emotionally, you can get so emotionally invested in the stuff that's just not real in your real life this is what we talked about all the time with COVID is like, I'm not going to pay attention to any of the news or any of these conversations. Let me just see what's right in front of me. The people that I'm talking to, 
the conversations I'm having, the relationships, like we have a pretty big network of people. Let me just talk to those people and see what their experiences are like. Um, well, and to have, to have those meaningful relationships, so much like status and things are, are great, right? Like everybody like, I mean, I love going on a trip. I love having AirPods. All that stuff is great, right? But like the things in my life that I love more than anything is having a group of friends that I could have these meaningful conversations with. Having people at work that I can mentor, like those are the things that bring so much true value to your life. And, and that's what you're trying to pass on to your, to your kids or your, or, or the people you're trying to mentor. Like the things don't matter. Like it's, it's the friendships, having the people um, that will hold you accountable. And, you know, you know um, you know, you could go out and have a great conversation with your health. Like give me those two things and, Really, that's take everything else away. Give me the friendships and, and health. And that's all I need, right? That's literally what I just wrote down. I said status on a long enough timeline becomes health and relationships. Yeah. Like that's it. Like if you look at somebody who's 85 and if you're looking at them and they're in like tip top shape, world class, still like able to do anything they want to physically, mentally, and they've got, you know, a, a strong family structure and strong friends, like you'd have to look at that person and be like, Dang, like at 85, that's the dream. Like that's what everybody would want. Um, you know, you're not worried at all about what the 85 year olds, you know, flat screen or walkout patio looks like if there's, if there's nobody to spend it with and they're not healthy enough to get out to their walkout patio, who gives a shit? Right. Yeah. My, my dad had this saying, he didn't coin it. I'm sure he heard it from somewhere, obviously, but it's, I've never seen a Brinks truck following a herd. Right. Like, yeah, right can't take it with you. And that's, again, as and again, it just, and again, it comes from experience and having that growth mindset um, to realize what's really important. Well, you got to, I mean, I think as, uh, as I get older, I'm just trying to curate everything a lot more. Like I am much more selective about the thing, the inputs in my life, um, whether it be, you know, people or organizations and I mean, you know, social media, we mentioned that a couple of times, just a quick story, like Jenna, every now and then will um, just get off social media, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of people do this, they like detox from social media, whatever. And um, the few times, you know, when she does it, I, she does it as a means to uh, ensure that her energies are on the kids and on her health and, um, you know, trying to make sure that she's finding time for herself. And my argument has always been, you're doing all those things, you know? And I think when it comes to social media, I mean, I get it. There's always a negative stigma, like you're killing your brain cells and how much screen time did your iPhone say you were on your app. And my thing is like, listen, I use it as a decompression tool. I'm not on it when I shouldn't be on it. And if I'm posting stuff, like I use it as a comedic outlet too. Like I like posting funny stuff on there. Well, it's funny to me. It's fine with me if I'm the only one laughing at my own posts. That's fine. Um, but uh, just think to last weekend. <laughs> what was last weekend? The Ohio State game. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Um, but I, but I just think like social media, for example, like don't tell yourself you're, you know, you're getting off to do all these other things. Like, be honest with yourself. If you are doing that, then yeah, you got to think through, um, it, you know, 
what makes sense for you, right? It's like, I, you know, it, weight loss as well. Like, oh, you know, I need to lose this much weight. So I'm just going to do a six-week crash diet. Like, is that is that what's best for you? Like, or is it incremental progress that you've already been making for yourselves? And so, with Jenna, you know, so she got back on because, I mean, I feel like part of it is, you know, again, feeling as though you're not coming off as somebody who wastes time on an app. But, like, if you're following people that you went to high school with, you don't even talk to anymore, why? Unfollow them. You know, so, like, on mine, I I unfollow people all the time if I'm not keeping in touch with them and I don't plan on ever seeing them again for the rest of my life. But, like, inspirational accounts, for sure. You know, I like doing DIY stuff every now and then, so I'll follow accounts that um, are focused on that. Uh, pickup trucks, knowing I'll never be able to get one. Also, one, you know, also an area that I like, like, like just do the things that work for you. Um, comedy, right? So I follow a bunch of comedians on Instagram. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. If I'm sitting on the couch and the kids are asleep and it's my time to decompress, I'll go through it. But like, I do feel like we jump to what's immediately terrible and awful because society says it is when the reality is you're probably just allowing every input around you um, to enter your life. When the reality is you're not being selective enough about the people that are in your life, the things that you are um, allowing into your mental space, uh, whether it be like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses because you're looking at everybody else's, um, you know, trucks or car, pickup trucks, man, <laughs> too look i'm not perfect like that stuff gets me like i want a pickup truck you know if i get a pickup truck what am i gonna do with it nothing um, <laughs> i'm just gonna end up paying double in gas driving two kids and back um and so you know we all have our vices that's fine but if you're if things are not going in the direction you want them to go you maybe need to do a little bit of inventory on what you're allowing to enter into your mental space uh, and corrupt that, you know? And so I think people control way more than they need to in terms of their mentality um, and their ability to, you know, wake up every day with a positive attitude, whether it be coming to the gym, coming to work, whatever. Yeah. I think the big thing is just starting, like allowing yourself the mental space um, to, to, maybe think about th those things um, or, you know, be quiet for a little bit and think about your priorities and think about how it fits in. Um, so, you know, not to speak for Jen at all, but that would be maybe my guess is like to just have a little bit less input and be able to take a second back and think about like, okay, do I have my priorities right? And it is things that I want to focus on in my life. And then you right. reinforcing that you are doing that. I don't feel at all like you're dropping the ball on those things. Right. If you want to be off of it, you can. But I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, you're spending too much time on that or you're doing too much with this right. and that. Um, and so I think it goes back to kind of that critical feedback. You know, if that was something that you did say where you're just like, listen, you know, I feel like you're on your phone all the time. You're not present. Like when we sit down to dinner, like you're just scrolling on social media, like that's who you are now. Um, that's critical feedback coming from you that then would maybe prompt that, you know, response. Um, but the, again, that's just all like being a part of a healthy relationship. And I'm big on, you know, now... I like the idea of being reductive until you need to be additive. So like this is kind of a concept I've been playing with a little bit with some of our newer people is just thinking about like, what are things right now that, that would provide you emotional space, time back to your life that we can cut out and remove? And then what are things like over time that we can start to add back in? So once you start to get things dialed in, when your health is dialed in, um, when your finances are dialed in, when your relationships are dialed in, when that stuff starts going the right direction, like we got a, there's actually a guy at the gym who's lost like 35 pounds, 
looks amazing. His performance is killing it. He's doing great. Um, and he started doing like a ton of financial work and now he's got his finances like dialed in with stuff. And you can tell he like almost has this fear to like go back to spending money and doing everything. I'm like, no dude, like this is the freedom. Like you were super reductive with stuff for a long time. Like you cut out unhealthy foods, you cut out unhealthy expenditures, you did these things and that got you to such a great place. Now, if you want to, you know, spoil yourself a little bit or take a vacation or have some pizza on the weekends, like, you know that you can do that because you know how to be disciplined and you know how to do these things. Like now it's time where you can start to add some of those things back into your life if they're in that benefit. And then once you do it, decide if that was worth it or not to you, you know, like for me, you know, I'm getting further and further away from ever wanting to drink again because I cut it out for really long periods of time. And then I do it usually pretty hard in some capacity for some occasion. And then immediately I'm like, Oh God, I feel like shit. This sucks. I hate this. I remember why I didn't do it for so long. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, like I need to stop, you know, getting to the point where that's like a, something that I do try to add back in um, because I know deep down that it was, it was reduced for a reason. So um, I always think that's kind of the big thing when it comes to social media is like, if you've got, if you got your shit dialed in, if everything in your life and relationships and stuff is kind of going the way you want to, then fine. But if it can provide you something back to your life, like Bobby's saying, like if it can provide you some decompression and some stress relief and some comedy on a tough day. Um, great. You know, that's awesome. I think it's that, like, that's a great use for it. All right, boys, let's wrap it up because we got a W to prepare for yeah. here in a second. Um, in more ways than one, two W's. Uh, we're going to. Is doing the Jameis Winston finger licking. <laughs> Just be I, great that I, this podcast is not a YouTube episode. No, no limitless. Bobby. Mr. Unlimited. Hey, uh, breaking news. We got seated four. You got what? We got seated number four. It's oh, did we? Nice. Hell yeah. All right. So we're, we've got Georgia then. All yep. right. Bring on the well, at least we're in. You know, it's not the best draw in the world, but we're in. Georgia at the Peach Bowl. Yeah, dude, they look like world beaters. I turned it on yesterday. It was 50 to 20. I was like, oh, that's. Well, did you see how the game started? No. So LSU kicked a field goal. It got blocked. Uh, it at the five yard line. LSU. I mean, how long have you been playing this game, dum dums? So yeah. they 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 walked off the field like the play was dead. And then Georgia picked it up at the five yard line and ran it all the way down into the end zone, seven nothing. So yeah, just like not not mentally all in on on. Winning the game, right. yeah. I mean, I, the big thing for the Buckeyes is they—they've got to start. They got to play with a sense of urgency, man. I think that's their biggest thing. It's like you got to go in and you—you've got the talent, but you can't play like you can't pull punches. They've pulled way too many punches against Michigan. That was their downfall. Um, was they were pulling pulling? I mean, you watch that USC game and stuff like they going for it on fourth down. You know, throwing bombs, throwing touchdown plays, like going for it. You just got to go for it, man. I think I know, I, I would be fine if it was. Yeah, like- nobody would be mad. A, like a Boise State style trick play after trick play, full yep. snens. I don't care. Just do do whatever it takes. Touchdown plays every drive. Uh, I don't. That was an all time win. Everyone's gonna remember that Boise State game for the rest of time. That was like around and old enough to watch that playoff game. It will always live as one of those things because that's like one of the best examples of a team 
absolutely going for broke and winning because of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm fully like, I don't, I don't expect us to be Georgia. I, you know, but I'm going to manifest. Uh, I don't know what process I can put in place for that (laughs) outcome. You're Uh, the closest to it. I'm, I'm not coming down to campus for the next three weeks. (laughs) I am. I, you are just as close to it as I am. So, All right. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you very much. Uh, And go Browns.